Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Tisha, who is living abroad in Panama. Tisha is originally from New York City and is of Panamanian descent. And she talks about what brought her back to her parents' country to live abroad and the dynamics of being an American but of Panamanian descent in the host country. Also, she describes why she does not consider herself an expat and discusses the dynamics between expats and locals in Panama, the influx of diverse foreigners moving to Panama in recent times, and finally, what she wants out of her time remaining there in Panama. Hope you enjoy. This is In Living Color, Abroad. All right, Tisha, welcome to In Living Color, Abroad. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on, Tisha. And I just got to get this out the way because he'll get mad at me if I don't. Shout out to Ryan, who put me in contact with you. Ryan, for those that don't know, is was my classmate in the master's program that we both completed. And hopefully, you both will find out that we've attained the master's uh, next week. <laughs> but anyway, shout out to you, Ryan. I know you're listening. So, Tisha, let's get, let's get right to it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, please. Okay. Um, I am an educator and a mother and a um, native New Yorker. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Panamanian descent. Uh, my parents are both um, Panamanian and I grew up in New York and have been back in Panama for the last 16 years. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So I think you're probably one of the first or not one of maybe three people I've spoken to that lives in the country which they also have descent uh like you said uh, of descent right like heritage from that country so let's start right from the beginning you're, so you're from new york from brooklyn new york and you're actually the second person in a row that i interview who is that's from brooklyn new york my last interviewee was living in hungary and she was from brooklyn um from flatbush area where you grew up in brooklyn actually uh early years in flatbush and then um uh about grade four, we moved to Starrett City, which is, I guess, East New York area, right, Canarsie. Right. Yeah, and so that's where I spent my formative years. Um, went off to college in Boston and then moved back to Park Slope area. So I'm a native New Yorker through and through. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right. So, okay. So what was it like? Because again, most of my listeners know that I, I rep New York all the time. <laughs> they probably get tired of it at this point. But let me hear from your perspective, right? So what was it like growing up in New York City for yourself? Um, quite exciting. I grew up in New York in my heydays in the 1980s. So <laughs> New York was, you know, clubbing and partying and lots of fun. Um, I also, my parent, my mom is a librarian. And so we spent our days in the 
library and bookstores and educational conferences. So it was kind of <laughs> weird as a child. Like I was always wanting to go out and party, but she kind of grounded us back into, you know, these are the things that you need for educational enrichment. But I love New York because you have a bit of everything, you know, the museums, the um shopping, the parks, the um, outside recreation, the concerts. So New York is an incredible place to be living then and now, I guess, too. <laughs> I concur. I concur. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> a very, very wonderful place. But all right. When did your parents move from Panama to New York, actually? Um, they moved when they were 18. Um, my parents, uh, my father... Uh, was a Zonian. My mom grew up in Panama City. And um, during their time here in Panama, and I, I mean, I, I still see remnants of that, um, it's very hard for um, people of color, I think, still. There's the opportunities that would be granted to you don't come as readily, I would say, sometimes. Um, so, Especially when they were growing up, though, and uh, for their eight, my father's 18th birthday and all of his siblings, they got a plane ticket and were sent to the States. And so my parents uh, went straight to New York. My father went into uh, the military and my mom became a librarian. Wow. Wow. That's that's mm -hmm. that's, that's that's pretty fascinating. And are you fluent in Spanish? Uh, un poquito. <laughs> no, I mean, I know I can understand more than I, I understand more than I speak. And again, also thinking about the time period in which right. they immigrated, exactly. you know, going to uh, the United States, you were, uh, you know, sex, sex selectioned out if you were, um, speaking Spanish. So mm. they made sure that we spoke English and they spoke to themselves in Spanish in the home, but mm. pretty much to us in English. Okay. So at what point, Tisha, did you think to yourself, I'm going to go to Panama to live? Um, pretty much never. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I really didn't consider it um my when we were little we would come to panama and um it was a different panama than it is now it was you know pretty much um we would be in areas where everyone spoke spanish and it wasn't as cosmopolitan and metropolitan as it is now so um it got to the point where i didn't want to come visit my grandparents anymore i you know compared to New York City in the summertime. It's like, why <laughs> right. would I want to go there? Um, so it wasn't until I was um, older that I started coming back and really appreciating it and seeing how um, it has changed. And also, you know, as an adult or as a teen moving into adulthood, um, my interest changed and it wasn't just, you know, hanging out with friends, but it was also, you know, going to the beach and going to the mountains and, you know, hiking and doing other things. So Panama offers all of that. But um, as an adult, still well ensconced and living in New York and um, moved here after uh, my husband passed and I had uh, my two little kids and New York at that point, you know, is the rat race and I wanted mm -hmm. something more tranquil. So 
came and gave it a try and said, you know what, I can see myself there. And so I packed up and here I am. Wow. One, sorry to hear about your husband's passing. And, and two, um, so obviously you went through obviously something very traumatic and you, you're saying you wanted somewhere more tranquil compared to the rat race that is New York City. Exactly. Why in particular Panama? What was it about? You're like, oh, because I know Panama or do you think of other places abroad as well? Um, at that point, it was, yeah, it was really, I know Panama and um, I had fallen in love again with it before um, deciding that this is where I wanted to go. But once here, it was like, okay, I can breathe. And, you know, it's, I I felt comfortable and I felt at home. And um, I came not looking to work. I thought I was going to retire um, and just enjoy life while my kids were in school. However, Panama um, is has gotten very pricey. (laughs) So I ended up going back to work. And I think, um, you know, also being Panamanian, because my parents are Panamanian, therefore I am Panamanian. So having a cedula was an easy transition also. Mm. Um, But yeah, you know, also there's other things, you know, the U.S. dollar and the stability of the government. So I kind of, you know, thought about all of that before I ended up, you know, selling my home and moving here. Wow. And what what were you doing for, you were also teaching uh, back in the States before you moved? I was a um, staff developer for the United Federation of Teachers. So I had, um, yeah, for a teacher center. And so I had 42 schools in Brooklyn that I was um, field liaison for. So I trained the staff developers in those schools and did citywide staff development. So, yeah, wow. it was Im- very busy. <laughs> Important job. Jeez Louise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Okay, I, I see, I see. All right. So how old were your children uh, at the time that you guys that you moved to Panama? Uh Two and four. Wow. Okay. So literally, yeah. like, you know, toddlers going right into one yeah. spot to start school. So what what was going through your mind? And before I even ask this, did you have family already in Panama before you moved? Uh, actually, just a cousin. All of my family is wow. in New York or California or D.C. So no, I don't have. It was just my cousin who actually kind of did the same thing. She was. Um, a student at UPenn and had done a year abroad here and fell in love with it and decided she was going to come back and stay. And so, and she has no family here either. So she, um, so it was, yeah, we both ended up in the same place and for different reasons, but still for the love of the country. Wow, wow, that is absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating. So so it, ha- it has me thinking because, again, like because of your story, because your, your parents immigrated from Panama to the States and you did a reverse, right? And I always exactly. tell this to people <laughs> that I think for my parents, when I moved abroad to Costa Rica, it was hard for them to, under- to understand that. They're like, wait a minute, we moved from DR to the United States, obviously to find a better <laughs> life, and here you are leaving this to go somewhere where you would know nobody. And now, obviously, you're going back to Panama where you know one person, right? But what what were your parents' thoughts Um, or any of your family members in Panama? (laughs) I mean, in the States. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, they they felt the same way. Like, are you <laughs> sure that this is what you want to do? Um, you know, because I was well established in New York and, you know, they were concerned, you know, like as far as, far as like working, um, you know, Panama does not pay nearly as much as New York City. And so they knew all of that. I, at that point, had 18 years under my belt teaching in New York City. And so I'm leaving, you know, a pension, leaving all of those things. And, you know, but for me, it just made the right sense at that point. And so, yeah, I am pretty much like working for minimum wage. (laughs) But thank goodness I, you know, had a job in New York where I had, you know, had to have a nest egg and I had, you know, property and things that I was able to sell before I moved here. So, you know, I think also compared to some people who are just coming abroad and, you know, not well established, I am in a pretty good place. And like I said, you know, Panama, you, it's, it has gotten quite expensive. Yes, you can find places to live that aren't as taxing on your wallet, but um, yeah, it has gotten quite expensive to be here. But um, I think either way, there's so much else that the country offers that you can do some things for in- inexpensively. And there's lots of beaches, lots of you know activities that you can partake in that do not cost a lot. Right. Where So you can kind of balance that. Got you, got you. Yeah, don't give it too much away. That's for later in the episode. We got to keep them, you know, keep them engaged. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, all right. So again, so now you're in Panama, right? You're in Panama. You're you're two year old and you're four year old. What What are you anticipating? Like, what What are you like? Okay, this is what I think is going to happen in my first few months. Tell me the reality and the expectations in those first few months. The expectation is was that I am just going to put them in school and we are going to figure this out. We moved to um, the areas called Clayton, so I knew right away that you know there there are a lot of NGOs, a lot of different agencies. It's also called Ciudad de Saber, so it was a good place to be um, if you're learning Spanish or you're not as fluent and um, it's a good safe place. I wanted somewhere that was kind of equivalent to where I was in New York where it's very, where I was living actually before I moved out here, um, I was in Jersey and um, so from New York to New Jersey um, before, right before our move. And so we were in a very um, idyllic neighborhood and I wanted something like that where the kids can go out and play and ride their bikes and you know get to have friends in the neighborhood and so living here um, provided that so I was very happy that it was a good transition um, into being in a foreign place. Got you, got you. So, yeah, so it did meet my expectations as far as that was concerned. Well, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now, you know, now let's fast forward. Now you're you're living, you know, you're living in Panama, living abroad in Panama, and the years go by. Where did you, when did you decide, or when did it happen where you realized, holy shit, like you said, I got to work, or I got to, you know, I want to teach again. (laughs) When did that happen for you? 
Um, about a year later. So I had a year where I was just relaxing and enjoying and getting to know the country. And, um, so about a year later, I realized, you know, you know, if I want to maintain a certain lifestyle, I w- I'm going to need to go back to work without having to, you know, dip into all of my savings and, you know, not have something for a rainy day. So um, I started teaching close to home at a school called Balboa Academy. And um, it was interesting because when I moved out here before we purchased, um, I was renting and the woman who was uh, the landlord taught at Balboa. And so she kept asking, well, come, come work. Your kids get to go to school for free if you're a teacher. And so none of that was swaying me at first. <laughs> and then it was finally like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I'll look at Maybe I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. But yeah. it was it was really um a pleasant surprise because, you know, coming from New York City where, you know, when I was in the classroom, I had, you know, second grade class at one point with, you know, 34 students and just me and, you know, inner city schools and so, you know, all the challenges that that can pose um coming into a school where there were, you know, 16 kids and, mm-hmm. you know, lots of support it was you know very it was very much of an easy transition interesting interesting and how did you get to the the, your current school where your colleagues with my dear friend ryan (laughs) um well i taught at um, the other school for quite a while Uh and um the founders of our new school i taught all of their kids and so they um knew what i did as far as um being able to empower kids and believe in independence and autonomy in the classroom. And so they asked me to come over to the new school and I did. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, now that we've said kind of like the foundation, the groundwork to the, you know, the beginnings, the moving to Panama. And I think your story is very interesting again, because you're going back to Panama, you're Panamanian and you're working at a international school, right? Yes. Right. You work at an international school. Again, you're in New Yorker. All these different layered identities that you have to teach you makes you, I think, a very <laughs> interesting individual and have an interesting perspective. So tell me what, what it's like for you, given, you know, your life experiences, all these things, you being in Panama for, you know, over a decade, and now you're working in this in this current setting. What do you, Have you noticed any changes in education in general? Do you think about these things? Now that you're working in this particular setting, which international schooling is its own animal when it comes to education, um, what what are your thoughts on that from your own perspective? Well, um, I am a public school believer, true and tried and true. Um, (laughs) I believe, no, I really believe that public schools offer so much for students um, coming from New York City, seeing, you know, children from all races, nationalities, um, economic background. So I really believe that there is something to be said for a good public school. Um, coming to Panama, you know, that is not necessarily the case with the public school system here. So there, there needs a lot of work. So when you come, you're really, your options are limited and private school really is um, for me, was the only option for my kids. And 
I do see, I mean, the private schools in Panama, they're good. Um, I, I think also they may be along the lines of some public schools in the States. Um, so there, there, there are differences and there are similarities. I'm in an international baccalaureate school and I love the philosophy of the school. I love what is happening at the school, but I still see that sometimes that there could be more. Um, I think also the culture um, of rigor may not be the same as I was used to in the States. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. And kind of on the, on, the, on that same uh, wavelength, so you being a Panamanian, are you considered a local hire at your school? Uh, yes, I'm considered a local hire. Okay, and for those that don't know, don't know why I'm asking that question, we're like, what the hell does that mean? Well, basically, <laughs> in the international <laughs> school context, you know, you have people that are expats or foreigners, and they're usually on different pay scales than local hires, people that are living in the country or from the host country. And that's why I'm asking that question. And again, given this dynamic, which I think from my own perspective, Tisha, I don't feel the same way. There's this uh-huh. uh, interesting, whether whether it's in, unintentional or intentionally, there's this weird dynamic between expats and locals, right? Or people from the host country versus foreigners that are moving there, right, to work in this country. So from your perspective, as someone that's moved abroad, right, from New York, right. and you're born and raised <laughs> in New York, correct? Yes. Right, born and raised in New York, moving to Panama, you're, but you're considered a local hire in this setting, but you're also Panamanian, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your perspective on these different dynamics in, in, in your workplace? Um, so, I mean, different schools have different setups. For our school, um, the difference between a local hire and a foreign hire on the pay scale is pretty much um, just housing. Right. So, um, yeah, so they take into account your years of service and then housing is what's given to um, someone who is a foreign hire, which is a lot considering <laughs> like i said the cost of living right. is very gets can be very high so um had i known all of that ahead <laughs> of time i would have come in with one of the um agents one of the hiring agencies um from abroad or you know applied uh from the states before coming here right got you got you again you being panamanian <laughs> working in in this setting where you work with a lot of foreigners, right? But you also have this American yeah. identity, right? Because you're from the United right. States, you're from New York, and you're this, you know, this IB school, but you're also from the local, from the host country. Where do you see yourself fitting in? Do you feel like you're in the middle when it comes to that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the locals see me as as a as a foreigner. <laughs> um, I I think so, but yeah, I do fit in with both. I have you know really great friends who are Panamanian and who are from you know other um, Latino countries, and so I fit in with that group, but also with you know the expats who have come there so yeah right in the middle i guess right right and 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 how do you mm-hmm. feel so i've had a lot of interesting conversations with other you know quote unquote expats such as you know you and i but what, what do you feel about that mm-hmm. term because again we're talking about migrating right immigrating to different places around the world and usually the term expat is used for people that are going somewhere like you know on the on for two years right for an adventure quote unquote and then you know going somewhere else or whatever the case may be so right. for a short time you know fun time but not a long time how do you how right. do you view that term do you consider yourself an expat 
<laughs> no, I don't. I consider my, <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm, I'm here. I'm here for the duration. I think for a while, at least until my last son graduates, and then who knows? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on that term? Do you think it's a it's a certain like uh, a privileged term, or you think it's meant for only a certain type of people? How, how do you what do you feel about that term in particular? I think sometimes people just use it, and and whether they're here for the you know just being that they're foreign to a country, and whether they were here to stay for a short time or a long time, I think you know the term is kind of used rather loosely. But yeah, there is a difference between I, I think sometimes with people's mindset about when someone they hear someone's an expat and they feel like oh well you're not really in it for <laughs> for the long term so you know how much how vested are you in this and you know that can be true or not right that, I mean I mean I think you raised such a great point there because you even said with yourself that you don't see yourself as, as an expat and again you said you you obviously you've been there for over a decade right so I feel that mm-hmm. and and that like you said the mindset plays a huge factor I think if you always look at it from that lens of I'm an expat, I'm an expat, versus saying, yeah, I moved abroad or I live here now, you know, it might subconsciously, you might might have a different relationship to the host country that you're in versus, so I think that that plays a huge factor or at least plays a contributing factor into the relationships between expats and locals, which I feel are very, could be very uh, divided sometimes. And we're going to that. That's a segue. Uh, (laughs) So how do you feel are the relationships uh, Tisha, between uh, the local hires, which I'm assuming are can be Panamanian, such as yourself, or from other countries, and expats or foreigners, right? And I just you could talk about your school or just in general in Panama itself. Well, I think our school, the the relationship dynamic is pretty special. Um, I'm hesitant sometimes when schools say we are a family because, you know, <laughs> lots of families are dysfunctional <laughs> and that might give them opportunity to take advantage. But um, I think really there is um, a great trusting community in our school. People, um, both expats and locals, um, bend over backwards for each other and to help and to support. So I don't really feel that here. Um, I think I might've felt it a little more at the other school I was in, um, that, you know, dichotomy between the two, but here I think it's pretty much, um, a blended situation. Got it. Well, it's great to hear. And what's your role? If you don't mind me asking at, at your school. I well, I've I actually started out um, at the school as a seventh, eighth, and ninth grade um, English language literature teacher, um, and then morphed into my uh, real home of staff development. So I was literacy coach for five years, and now we've opened. Um, a library um, from EC through DP, which is grade 12. And now I'm the whole school librarian. Well, congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank <laughs> You're you. following your mother's footsteps. <laughs> how, how does your mother feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I know. It was interesting. I, I, I At first, when I took the position, I was like, wasn't even cognizant. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what she's doing. That's what she did. Yeah, she's very happy. She's, she's like, see, you know, being in the library paid off, didn't it? I'm like, yeah, I guess it did. <laughs> you got, you got very, a, lot, a lot of full circles in your life, huh? 
You yes, pass more to Panama. <laughs> that's that's very very interesting. All right, so now, now let's talk about more more broadly uh, about living abroad in Panama. You you mentioned the costs, right? So what changes mm-hmm. have you noticed? You mentioned costs. What are the changes have you noticed in the past sixteen years of you? Um, you know, when you first moved to Panama to now, what have you noticed as far as changing changes in the country? Um, as far as costs, you're saying, um, costs or anything, well, or anything related, maybe you sort of more foreigners moving in. What have you noticed in, in terms of that? Oh, definitely, definitely a large, um, integration of people, immigration of people from the United States. I think, um, after our previous election, a lot of people wanted to flee, um, prior to this last election, you know what I mean? Right. Um, a lot of people tried, <laughs> wanted to flee and wanted to go somewhere where they felt um, that they can make a good life for themselves and they didn't have to worry um, about all of the issues in the States. And so um, I think in looking, lots of people decided that just like I did, that Panama could be a good fit. So there are um, I see a lot of people who have moved. There's actually a group here called um, Black Expats in Panama. And so they didn't have anything like that when I first moved out here. Would have been useful, and huh? it's a whole. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been, uh, you know, and it's great. They're a whole networking uh, group of people who, you know, from all over the United States and they get together and, you know, do things and visit different places. But it's, you know, having a community that they can relate to, but also getting to understand and know the host country, um, being able to ask questions about, you know, the nitty gritty things about, you know, where do you get this and how do you do this? So it's a great thing to see. And so, yeah, there's that there's those kind of communities, um, I think more so moving to Panama and, you know, setting up where they can be able to help each other. And I think that's a really positive thing. When I first came here, most of um, the foreigners that I pretty much met um, were people who were down here working with the different NGOs or um, some of the larger um, agencies or corporations that had just come to Panama. But now I'm seeing a more diverse group of people who are either retired or who are working online or, you know, who are, you know, self-employed and who can now venture out and have chosen, have chosen Panama as their home. Right, right. I'm glad you mentioned the use. You mentioned the black expats in Panama. There's also a black expats Costa Rica uh, group I, here okay. on Facebook <laughs> as well. And I think it's so interesting because mm-hmm. you said there's there's obviously a multitude of reasons as to why there's more diversity, right, in in moving in moving right. abroad. But but I also think there's a point that you, I think you touched on a little bit. But also going to places where you feel like you could be a part of that place, right? And exactly. Panama, right? You said obviously Panama being you know Latin America. It also has a diverse, you know, a spectrum of color, like most of Latin America does, right? So mm-hmm. tell me from, from inside of Panama, because I don't know much about Panama in terms of its history or things like that. But what, what does that look like in terms of, you know, obviously you have white passing Latinos or Panamanians and people of color, like more, you know. So what, what does that look like in Panama? Is it more towards more people, people of color, or more white passing uh, Panamanians in Panama? Um, I think it's... there's both. Um, It depends on where you live. Um, I think there is some sense of, you know, demographic displays of 
color or lack of color around Panama. Um, Panama, you know, I don't know if you've read anything, but it's been written up several times of, you know, like there being two Panama, the wealthy Panama and then the parts of Panama that, you know, where the government is really neglecting and has not put uh, money towards, you know, the infrastructure and so forth. So there is both parts of Panama. I think right now I'm fortunate enough to, because again, having um, income from the States, um, I'm able to live in an area that, um, well, an area that's well taken care of. And so because of that, there's not many people of color in Mm. this area because it is quite expensive, right? And so, you know, I'm very excited when I see a couple of black kids in the school (laughs) because that's not, that's not the norm, you know, especially for, you know, like I said, the private schools, they are pricey. Our school Mm -hmm. is probably one of the priciest schools in Panama. And so it's either you're getting, you know, you're really most getting those white passing Panamanians or you're getting other um, Latinos from, you know, Venezuela or Colombia or different places, but still parents of means. Right, right. And I I didn't mention this to you at the beginning of the conversation, but I actually went to Panama in April uh, Mm -hmm. for for a few days. And you're right, like where I stayed, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, The, 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 was that colonial area, like the colonial style buildings? Casco Viejo. There you go, Casco Viejo. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. there, right? But then I remember being in a taxi and passing by. I forget where I was going, passing by, like maybe we're talking about maybe three blocks past Casco Viejo, and I'm like, exactly. oh, mm-hmm. oh my, like decrepit buildings, yeah. and yeah. I, and it yeah. was very like it was a shock to me. I was not expecting that, even though I was more mm-hmm. like you know you don't want to walk down this street, but. I was not expecting, like you said, that contrast, a huge contrast between, like you said, the way you said it, right? Taking care of versus, you know, maybe neglected, right? Areas of of Panama. And so you made made an interesting point how when you see uh, black or brown kids, we see black kids, you just get excited. I'm the same way here in my school because, again, (laughs) as a a Latino, you know, and as someone that, you know, I, I don't think most people consider me white passing, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not I'm not dark skinned compared to maybe other Latinos, right? But when I mm-hmm. see more more diversity, that fills me. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy because I know yes. that's, that's that's bringing a, a better service to the students as well as a whole, where they're seeing more people that don't look like themselves that are also Latino as well. I think that's a exactly. huge part that's lost. I feel T-shirt in Latin America, especially when we work in these private schools that made for foreigners. And white foreigners is when they work in these schools, they see a lot of whiteness, but with Latinos, but they don't exactly. see more color and this full spectrum of color that Latin America has to offer, especially places like Panama or Costa Rica, where there's a lot of people in Limon, right, that are that are more dark skinned, but they live on one side of the country. You don't see the most mm-hmm. in the San Jose region, right? So even there, you, right. can, you think about like two parts of uh, Costa Rica, like you mentioned the two parts of Panama. So I think it's mm-hmm. so interesting how um, 
And from, from our mindset, even from black and brown individuals, when we see more diversity, it's kind of like a, you know, like a yes, you know, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly. what I think to myself that all the time. Whenever I see a prospective parent that they look like the people of color, I'm, I'm like, I gotta go talk to them. I gotta go, exactly. I gotta go see where they're from, see where they're from here, see what's up. Because I, I think it matters. I do think that representation matters a whole yes, lot. Absolutely. In these spaces. So, so now talking about that from your own perspective as a as a black woman working in your school and but again at the same time like you said living in a well-off area what what are the things that go through your mind when you think about that uh that i don't want to call it conflict but like these two truths right of like i'm a person of color i'm a black woman here in panama but at the same time i might see people that look like me not have the same means as me I mean, it's it's really disheartening. Um, I think because Panama is a, such a wealthy country, I think more could be done for the people of Panama, right? Um, I think, and not just the people who have means. I think, you know, just simple things like picking up trash. I, you know, mm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, our trash is picked up like clockwork. But in, you know, areas that are neglected, you know, the trash will pile up. And, you know, that's something that we see here where I would never see that in New York. You know, like, Mm. yes, there might be a heap of garbage out at the street, but it's going to be gone by the morning. So, um, yeah, so things like that, you know, the garbage situation, um, thinking also um, about just opportunities that, you know, are afforded, you know, because like I was saying, this, the, the being in the private school, I think, is the only real option for um, a strong education here. And then, but the private schools, even the less expensive ones are out of means, out of, out of reach for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's there again, we're limiting opportunities. So, right. and for a country that like I said, with the canal and the mining and there's so much money here that the wealth could be spread and people can live or should be living better. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And now talking about, because Panama is an absolutely beautiful country. Like when I went, I was I was definitely, I'm like, wow. Like they, when they call it the Miami of Central America or like, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I can see why with all these huge buildings. Uh, right. as way more of a city I, just, I had an episode on this as way more city than San Jose Panama was like okay this is a mm-hmm. city this feels like a city San Jose right. does not feel city at all for people sorry but right. Costa Rica San Jose <laughs> not much of a city so okay let's talk about now let's transition into what are the great parts about living in, in Panama like what are your favorite parts about living there um, going to being able to go to the beach on the Pacific and then at the same time being able to go to the beach in the Caribbean. That is incredible. <laughs> so the beaches are wonderful. Um, being able to go out to the mountains, being able to just Panama is geographically, there's so much to offer. And when people really get out to see all that it has to offer and then meet, you know, the people who live in these places, it's just so wonderful. I think Panamanians in general are very welcoming people. And so, yeah, having that is really special. 
Yeah, and, and I felt that way too as a Latino when I was in Panama. I definitely felt welcome. And one thing I noticed about the Spanish in Panama is that it's very Caribbean flavor. Because I grew up you know, in New York, but with Dominican parents, it sounded mm-hmm. very more Caribbean flavor than, for example, Costa Rica, which to me sounds more like, I don't know, typical Central American kind of <laughs> dialect, you know. So I, I really much appreciated uh, the way they spoke or the way they speak, I should say. Like, for example, the S's are cut off, you know, it's like it might be more of a como esta instead of a como esta or como estas, yeah. you know. So I, I like that. I like that little style there. But, <laughs> but all right. So you mentioned some of the things you like, the, how diverse it is, you know, geographically and Costa Rica. Similar, that's what I love about Costa Rica, too. Um, tell us about some things about Panama you think are not a kind of not, are, are kind of overlooked by, by people when they go visit or when they live there that might be like overlooked about Panama. Good question. I think we need to come back to that one. <laughs> All right. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think sometimes people become, um, get caught up in the day-to-day and they may not venture out as much, I would say. Um, they would go, like, you know, to the same beaches and the same things, do the same things. Whereas, like I said, you can go um, – six hours one direction and you're in Boquete and you know it feels like you are somewhere out like a whole other place you know they have white water rafting and the most incredible birds that you won't see anywhere else and then you can go to Volcan and you have the mountains that you know the volcanoes and it's just there is so much and I think mm. you know whether it be time or familiarity that people do not get to see all. I'm all, I'm always surprised and astounded when Panamaeans who live here say, oh yeah, well, I've never gone there. And somewhere that may just be maybe two hours away or three hours away, but because they've all, you know, creatures of habit and they just mm-hmm. go to the same places. And I think that is a shame. And I think a lot of expats come in and actually are um, willing to go see and venture out and see all the beauty that there is to Panama. And I think locals a lot of times miss that. And that's a real shame. Mm-hmm. I see. Actually, I want to ask you a question based on, again, going back to uh, your, your very later complex identity. And you touched on this earlier. But when I'm in Costa Rica, I feel more American here than I do back in the States. Do you feel the same way in Panama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What would you attribute that to? Um, I mean, well, for me, I I think because I spent so much time there, I'm also doing the comparisons, like, this is what it is there, and this is what it is here. And, right. you know, I feel sometimes like, you know, like, you, the U.S. and, you know, having gone to school there and been indoctrinated in the, you know, U.S. system, <laughs> um, I feel at times, yeah, definitely more American here than than there. But, um, yeah, that's to answer your question. How, yeah, how do you think, do. how do you think, what does that do for relationships with other Panamanians, with other locals? How do, what does that do? Oh, no, I don't do, I don't show it outwardly. Okay. But- <laughs> I mean, I feel it, but I do not represent it outwardly. I, I you know, I, I bite my tongue or hold back on things that I would maybe want to comment on or say, or, you know, I, I do not want to be that American person. That is so, so I, interesting. Yeah. So, so you're, you're talking about something I think is, is that I've thought about myself because 
I'm about to reflect on this. And I think it goes to this yeah. this whole idea of, you know, kind of this, I don't know, this double consciousness of sorts, right? Where in terms yeah. of like, yeah. you know, we know what it's like to be minority in that place, right? Whether, you know, New York and, and the context of the United States, right? And we have a different, you know, relationship with different people there. And now we're going into, into these spaces, right? International schools where it could be its own bubble, and as foreigners, right, it could be his own bubble, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And knowing, like we spoke about the dynamics, right, that, that certain schools could have and the certain perceptions that pe- people could have of Americans, right? And sometimes you don't want to fulfill that stereotype of like, of course, you're going to come in here and try to tell us how to do things. Because I think sometimes <laughs> that's the perception <laughs> that they can have. And then I don't know if you feel the same way, um, Tisha, but I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a Latino. I don't want to you know, be perceived as as this kind of, you know, like people call me like uh, gringo Latino, right? Uh, or Latino gringo, right? It's like, yeah, you're this, but you're also that. Don't forget that. And yeah, which is very yeah. true. And I have to catch yeah. myself because of, I say more my New York, my New Yorkness, but my New Yorkness, my Americanness, all these things that make me a very frank, you know, transparent, <laughs> you know, individual to a fault sometimes. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be well received somewhere else. Or that that's the exactly. best way to handle a situation. And so I have to be cognizant of that. And obviously it seems like you're also very cognizant of that yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and but to the most, you, to the best you can, best of your ability, because, right. you know, I'm still very New York and still very <laughs> direct, quick moving. Like, I want things done now. <laughs> I, you know, mañana is not good enough for me. That's <laughs> it's <sorry>. like now. <laughs> so, well, okay, go ahead, go, stay, on, stay on that New York track. What do you think of certain things that have people called you out on your New Yorkness? Because I get called out so much about why oh, yeah. you're such a New Yorker. Okay, give me like an example. Somebody called out your New Yorkness. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm not scared of driving here because I've driven <laughs> in New York. <laughs> yeah, I I can uh, hang with the best of a New York City cab driver. So that's one of the thing. Um. Yeah, and also that wanting things immediately. Like, I, to me, that's the hardest thing. Like, you know, mañana or late. No, 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 no. I, I don't have patience for that. And I, when I first got here and I wasn't working, I thought, okay, I can deal with a, I wait to tomorrow. But no, <laughs> that's not part of my DNA. I need things done quickly. I need things done efficiently. I need, you know, who, what, when, where, why. I need all of the information. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. so that's part of my, you know, New York. And not bossy, I guess. I mean, although people may say, but. Yeah, I wonder I what they're I saying, like, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there is a there is a sense of New York sensibility, and I guess you know you can, you you can spot a New Yorker wherever you go, and but you know right. the way we move within spaces, and yeah, I agree. You, you I, can't I, shake that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I I'm honored when people notice my New Yorkness. Actually, <laughs> all right, now we're getting yeah. unfortunately we're getting to the final part of the podcast. Uh, We'll talk to you for another hour, Tisha, about your life in Panama. All right, so it's going to be lightning round questions. First thing that comes okay. to your mind. You ready? Okay. <laughs> All right. Number one thing you miss about New York? Museums. Museums. Okay, tell me some of your favorites. 
Uh, the Whitney, okay. the MoMA. Um, those are my two favorite in the Museum of Natural History. Um, as a teacher, I used to take my students the whole month of June because, again, New York City does provide for students mm. and this, all the museums would be free and we would have field trips where they can also go on the trains for free. So the whole month of June, we were in every nook and cranny of every place possible <laughs> right. in New York City and right. I miss that. I miss that for me and I miss those opportunities for students because there aren't there isn't a plethora of places to go for field trips and you know I think that's unfortunate. Um, yes, we're in a school where the kids can afford to travel, and they do, and they've gone to museums. And they've, they've gone to the Whitney. <laughs> but they, some of them, but not many. And, and again, it's also the culture of it. No, they right. haven't gone. I mean, with their parents, they have right, gone right, to different right. places. But being able to, you know, as an educational mm -hmm. trip, take them to these places and show them and have them experience. I think um, I do miss that, but I miss it also for myself. Right. That's a good one. See, I actually haven't, if someone would have asked me that, that would have been my first answer. But now as you explain that, I'm like, yeah, I miss going to a freaking museum on a random day, <laughs> like on a random Saturday, exactly. Sunday. And, you know, just by myself, just walking around and it's like, you know, I've seen all the four that are here. So it's like, right. know, that's the unfortunate part. But yeah, definitely. Okay. that's a, What's the one thing you do not miss at all about New York? The cold. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yep. I hear that. I hear that. Okay. The cold. Yeah, I uh, do not <laughs> want to put on another hat, scarf, gloves, leggings, <laughs> sweat socks. Again. That's real. That's real. Unfortunately, I go back every, because I love my family. Unfortunately, I have to go back every holiday season and visit in New York. And it's it's like a smack in the face when, I, when I'm in that 25 degree weather. But uh, all right. oh, you're good. I, yeah. I, I limit my trips from from April to October. Oh, you smart. You smart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What is your favorite phrase in Panama? Like, what was like a Panamanian phrase they got over there? Oh, wow. Um, I ask you tough questions. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough uh, My favorite Panamanian phrase. I don't know. I, I really don't know. That's a, that's a good one. I, I All right. What's your favorite? I don't thing? Know. What's your Maybe favorite? My least favorite would be mañana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then oi, oi is your favorite is your favorite word. Oi, oi. Ahora. Um, uh, what was it to say? Okay, what's oh, it? No, es tranquilo, tranquilo. Yeah, tranquilo. like don't tell me don't tell me to calm down oh, or just be okay because it's tranquilo. No, yeah, that's, that's another one. So none, none that I really like, just the ones I don't like. Gotcha. Okay, what's your favorite What's your favorite uh, phrase for you to say in Spanish? Like, what, what's something that you find yourself saying often? Como no. Como no. I like that. Como, I don't say como no a lot. I don't say como no a lot. Okay. Como no. Yeah, that's a good one. I like como no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one favorite place in Panama. Um, number one favorite place. Well, we have property, so um, <laughs> I'm gonna put a put a little shout out. We yeah. So we have um, a Airbnb in the mountains in Los Altos de Cerro Azul. We also have a beach house airbnb in cacique and isla sebaco so i would say i gotta write i gotta write all these places. down Tisha, hold on give me a second <laughs> yes you do it's you can go to one love panama 
and you will see all of it. You will see everything wow, that you need to see. Wow, check you out. We have to do a part two talking about how to do an Airbnb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Okay. We definitely have to talk a little bit more offline about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are your favorite places, the places you own. I, I love it, and they sound beautiful and amazing. <laughs> Just mm, heard about are. them. Heard about them. All right, final, final question. This is not a lightning round. This is what, however you want to answer it. What do you see for yourself? Because you mentioned you see, you know, you're in the long haul, right? You've been there for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you want to see for yourself? You mentioned your 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 son. I think you said is about to graduate and things like that. So, what do you see for Tisha though, right? And, and all these different roles that you hold, right? Whether it's professionally, personally, what do you want to see for yourself? You know, down the line, whether it's in the very near future or we're talking five years from now, what do, what do you want to see for yourself in Panama, where your parents are from? We moved to New York. Then you went yourself with your children. What do you want to see for yourself down the line? Um. Well, I think probably to once I leave um, the educational system to really concentrate on the tourist, um, op- the tourism opportunities. Um, I do see, like we said, a lot of people coming down and really being able to host them at high levels so that they can come also and experience all the beauty that Panama is. And so doing that and maybe even doing a bit of writing about the country and my experiences. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tisha. I most definitely did. Uh, First off, it's just so cool that for two episodes in a row, I've spoken to two individuals from Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> that is so cool. Talk about small world. One is Hungary, then one's Panama. Literally two different continents. We're everywhere. Can't get rid of us. Can't get rid of us New Yorkers, us Brooklynites. <laughs> so that's just cool. But on a serious note, it was so cool hearing Tisha's perspective because she's someone of Panamanian descent. And I think that just brings about its own unique perspective, right? Of living in the host country from which we have heritage from. And she even mentioned the fact that Panamanians probably view her or view her more as a uh, an American, right, than as someone that's from Panama, which makes sense given that she's born and raised there in New York. But interesting uh, nonetheless, right? And also, um, I like this idea that she mentioned about how the term expat is misused or often misused. And unintentionally or intentionally, it might separate yourself those that are living abroad, such as myself, right? From the people, from the local people that are here, from the culture, from all these things. And we might not even realize it because, you know, it might create this certain mindset of, I'm only here for a little bit and then I'm gone. My new Tisha does not refer to herself as an expat. And she's been there 16 years. And she has heritage from the country she's at. So I think it's definitely, that brings about some uh, a different mindset and also your relationship that you want to have with the people, with the local people that are there. Um, living abroad is not easy, and it's, and it's easy to stay in your groups. I do it. I'm guilty of it. You know, staying with your, your, your American peers. You're easy to relate to, speak the same language, all that good, all that jazz. But, you know, if you just, if you're, if you're somewhere to learn from the culture, learn from the people, instead of just going there to take, which I think happens a lot, it's kind of like this... I hate to say it, but kind of like almost like a post-colonial practice where, you know, you go to these different places moving abroad and just taking from these cultures, taking all these things that you want, all these rich, you know, traditions and cultures that now you feel like you know some. So now you're taking that with you as you go all around the globe, but you're not really, you know, learning about 
the people there. You're just consuming versus partaking, which I think is a different type of experience. Um, and why I think locals tend to have, I, I can only speak from my own uh, talks with locals, tend to have a negative, you know, view of uh, expats, generally speaking. And I'm not talking about negative as in get out of here, but just negative as, as in, you know, maybe, yeah, okay, you're here, but, you know, you're not really here to partake with us. You're more here just to go on adventures, you know? So I think that needs to change. And I, I'm glad Tisha brought up that, that important point about the particular mindset that expats could have i'm not trying to separate myself from that like i said i'm also might be guilty of it and pr probably am 100 <laughs> guilty of it myself in certain aspects but uh, you know we, we got we got to all try to do better right <laughs> but anywho hope you enjoyed that episode with tisha pat by the way panama is amazing i i know we didn't speak too much about the beauty of panama and all this stuff but panama is such a beautiful place i was only there for three or four days and i'm i i tell you i'm i will go back asap and if you listen to my episode about my trip to Panama, listen, it's called My Trip in Panama. Um, it's a it's a beautiful place. I, I would love to go there again. Um, but yeah. But anywho, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I don't know what's happening next week. Might be a special episode. You'll soon find out as to why. <laughs> but anyway, if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. See you next week. This is A Living Color. Abroad. Peace.